Texas fans, it's finally here. Our Longhorns have their season opener this week, and we are pumped. Welcome to Football on the 40, a weekly podcast where we cover not only the nitty-gritty of the Longhorn football program, but also share our fan experiences along the way. I'm Jake Robinson, and joining me are my fellow co-hosts, Andrew Harris, Kevin Mathis, and Bowen Kai. Before we preview this week's game against um, Louisiana Monroe, I'd like to know, Andy, how did you spend your last non-Texas football weekend? So um, it was a mixed bag of things. Uh, try to inst- trying to get Beasley to go to sleep a little earlier, which is a little bit of a struggle. Um, but on the brighter side, um, watched the game with some guys, um, the Nebraska game more specifically, got part of my cheesesteak. Kind of okay. Not not the best cheesesteak I've ever had, but it was a fun time nevertheless. And yeah, I had a great time watching the game. I wasn't able to make it to the game with y'all, Andy, but uh, I spent my last non-football weekend having a great dinner with friends. We got some fajitas and margs on Saturday. And then uh, I set up my garage golf simulator on Sunday. I have Whoa, blisters all over my hands today, but it was a ton of fun figuring out the simulator thing. Paying for it was not so fun. Um, <laughs> but as soon as I got it going, it was it was fun. I was sending y'all videos and I'm excited for y'all to come test it out. What's the farthest awesome. drive you had? Furthest drive was uh, 290 carry, 167 ball speed, 305 total, which um, I don't think the numbers are too juiced on the sim. That's pretty... Yeah, that swinging. seems a little low for you if you swing was, a whole whole lot of balls up yeah. there. I was swinging pretty hard, so that, that was a good drive. But trying to get those numbers up, you know. I mean, for ball, for ball speed, that's kind of low. Yeah, that's a I think carry for ball speed. I think my goal is to get up into the low 170s for ball speed. <laughs> and uh, for those that don't watch a lot of golf, like tour average ball speed on the PGA Tour is like, I think 168. So I'm you know, pretty close. And and I'm sure you were watching the PGA Tour Championship, Kev? I was. It was really uh, very sad to see Scotty uh, collapse in the last round. I I am not friends with Scotty. Scotty has no idea who I am. But uh, <laughs> all of us here know some people that actually hang out with him pretty frequently in Dallas. So it's kind of surreal, um, you know, that he's younger than us and he was sad to make like $6 million on Sunday. But... Uh, Rory played good. It was a good last round. I was watching that in between swings in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a good weekend. I went with my um, my MC for my church to – we went tubing on Saturday. So got that last uh, river floating trip in uh, down in San Marcos and got to go to the grist mill after. It was a good day. It was a good day. So that was my Saturday. Um, did not really get to watch any football until I got home that night and caught the uh, – caught the end of the Vanderbilt Hawaii game. And I was like, wow, who is, who is this Vandy team? So uh, you, they, you looked a little yeah. sun kissed. How was the, the uh, sunscreen action? Yeah, well, on the did, the, did the recent rain help the, <laughs> help the river? The, the, the float was fine. There was no walking or anything. I don't know if the, I don't know if it was higher or lower than normal, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's a tan. It's not really a burn. It, it, it uh, it's the lighting. So. I, I am tan, yes. Sure, um, sure, sure. It's always the lighting. 
<laughs> but um, I did want to I did want to talk a little bit about the games this past weekend, and I was curious. Um, so did did y'all get a chance to watch um, Vanderbilt, specifically the Vandy Hawaii game in Nebraska Northwestern, and I have a couple of trivia questions on these games. The only game I watched was Nebraska. I saw I kept up with Vandy and Hawaii from afar, but nothing nothing too crazy with that one. So Vandy, um, Vandy destroyed Hawaii. Nebraska beat or Nebraska lost Northwestern by three points. Um, big game in Dublin. We talked about it a little bit last week. So I'm going to ask this question. Scott Frost has been the head coach at Nebraska for four full seasons. How many wins does he have in four seasons at Nebraska? Fifteen. I saw. I saw. You this already tweet. knew it. Ask questions that you don't want me to answer. That's I was so gonna. Fun. I was gonna say eight because I, I know that he's underperformed, which has been 15, tough. 15 and thirty. But here's a fun fact: they can't fire him because his buyout goes from fifteen million to seven point five million on October first. So they got to keep him for another month at least. That's always made me so jealous. <laughs> like we all should have been football coaches because any line of work where your biggest payday is the day that you get fired. Something's wrong there, but that's just a consistent theme. Like I've never, I've never heard of it happening like in the middle of the season like this though before. But um, and then the other one I had, and Andrew, you may not know this one. Vanderbilt currently has the best record in the SEC. Uh, they have scored sixty-three points very few times in their program history. When was the last time they scored sixty-three points? Give me a year. I trick question. Trick question, never. That is incorrect. Damn it. 2007. That is incorrect. Um, 1976. Close. It was 1969 was the last time Vanderbilt scored 63 points in a football game. So Wow. wow. Yeah, that's how bad they really are. Okay, um, that's those were my questions. Bo, what, <laughs> what was your last weekend uh, without Texas football like? Yeah, I spent the weekend uh, up in Portland. If you can remember from my our previous podcast, I was uh, running a relay race this past weekend. It was uh, 12 people and 198 miles. It was good. Um, team did really well. We we finished in like a little over 30 hours. I got like five hours of sleep across three days, so that was that was pretty rough. Um, but feeling pretty good. Had a lot of like those energy chews my and then like a bunch of like those noon tablets so my 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 bloodstream was like all energy chews and noons for like a couple of days <laughs> you were juicing yeah so it was it was rough but it was it was fun it was a as great a, experience as an instagram observer i thought your like progress uh or leaderboard thing that you guys were doing on the window of your van was really cool dude I was a huge, huge proponent for the check boxes. You got to have the check boxes. If you don't have the check boxes, you can't run the race. It was, was it was, it was big time. It was a good idea. Sure. How much do you think you ran in total? Personally, um, I well, I, I was tracking it. I I had I ran like fourteen miles total, so it was across like three legs. Um, some folks on the team had like like up to like eighteen. Like it was like I had one of the shorter legs, but. Um, Mine, I, I started the race and it starts from like Mount Hood. So it was like um, a lot of uh, downhill. It was like 2,000 feet of elevation loss of downhill over like five miles. So 
but I, I enjoyed downhill running. So it was, it was a lot of fun. It's tough on the knees. How are those boys doing? Yeah, they're, they're feeling all right. I was, it was a bit sore getting on the plane and getting off the plane and everything, but it's pretty chill today. So it's all good. Well, that's, that's really fun, Bo. I'm done uh, running for a little bit. I don't, I don't blame you. <laughs> that's what it should be. Yeah. So transitioning to this Saturday, uh, where will each of you be, um, this coming Saturday at 7 PM? I will personally be, um, gladly in DKR watching the Longhorns. Yep. As play. will I, Jake and I will be holding down the fort for us over there. Lucky duck. I may need you guys to help me sell my tickets. <laughs> You uh, sold a ticket? They're not going to sell very much. <laughs> I need to check uh, check with Laurel. Yeah, we wouldn't try to gouge anybody like, for this game. Although, I think at this stage of the season, excitement levels are higher typically than they are, you know, October-ish, which is sad. But well, I will be in – what was that, Jay? I was just going to say, well, with, with your wife doing what she did and has better tickets than all of us, and now you get the advantage of that too, if you don't sell them, you should give them to me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when you're dating me and Bo, <laughs> when you're dating a good-looking Texas X DG and find out that she has lower-level alumni seats, you start to shop for jewelry, and yeah, huge plus That's for Laurel. Bite. While we were dating, she, we, know, she we has, know she doesn't listen to this, so yeah, she's not never gonna hear it, you know. But she has great tickets. I'll be in South Texas. It's a tradition for my dad and I to enjoy opening dove hunting weekend together. It's something we've done since I was in about second grade. Um, and we've only missed a year. So we are usually listening to the game on the radio, you know, in the evening after shooting a limited bird. So we'll be probably about 30 miles from the border around game time. Nice Kev. You're going to reach the limit. I hope so. The, the weather's been screwing with the doves a little bit. We've had a mixed bag of reports, but we've had some good years, some bad years, and you know we go for the camaraderie and the dove. So if if the dove hunting's bad, that just means the cooler's going to get emptier faster. There you go. There you go. It'll be a great time no matter what. Yeah. Um, I'll be I'll be in Houston watching the game. Not going to be able to make it in, but it'll be a good time. I'll probably be one of the last few times I'll watch the Longhorn Network. So I'll keep y'all updated on what they say and corny oh, things that they'll that. say. <laughs> it's going to be like a five-hour game. Probably. Well, yeah. All right. Well, good stuff there, guys. Let's go ahead and take an early break. We will be back to preview the game after this short message. And we're back. So it's time to preview this week's game between our Longhorns and the Warhawks from Louisiana Monroe. Um, the game is, we've already talked about it a little bit, but it is in Austin at Gerald K. Royal Memorial Stadium. And it begins at 7 p.m. kickoff on Longhorn Network. So I did want to bring up one thing right off the bat. Um, there are some weather concerns this week. And as your resident meteorologist, on the pod i thought it was best to bring this to y'all early um as anyone who follows weather knows five days in advance is a very long time when predicting weather but there is currently a 30 to 40 percent chance of thunderstorms 
on Saturday. And just a little bit of insider information on where that 30 to 40, how, which direction it could go. Um, so there's an old frontal boundary that could back into Austin. And if it happens, it'll be cooler, drier, and very pleasant. But most of the models do not show that happening. And if it doesn't, it will be humid and possibly stormy on Saturday night. Frontal boundary sounds like a football term. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> hoping for dry weather. Hoping for dry weather. Yeah, because it's not going to be like a, uh, was it 2011 Kansas State game? I think, Andy, you, asked, you, you mentioned something about that the other day. It's not going to be like a rainy, cold, dreary game. It's going to be like thunderstorms and delays if it happens. So it would be better to like not have that happen. Lightning and like, plus Bijan. <laughs> uh, Jake, so like just to kind of give insight to the listeners um, about when it, when game is like game is suspended, um, like what's the parameters of the like how close has to be to the stadium for for a game to be suspended i can't remember i think i tweeted about this during the baseball season and i think it's it's seven or eight miles from the stadium or it may be it may be further out than that but if lightning is detected within a certain radius of the stadium it it starts a 30 minute clock and essentially if there is no other lightning strikes within that 30 minute window then you can resume play after 30 minutes but that means you have to come back and redo warmups and everything. And if there's another lightning strike, it resets the clock. So that's why a lot of times you'll get into these four five, six hour delays um, with storms. Cause like there could be lingering. I mean, it, there could be a lightning strike on the other side of the County and you're, it's not raining even anymore. And you're just delay, delay, delay. So hopefully yeah. that won't happen. I'm not, I mean, 30 to 40% chance means, you know, more likely that it doesn't at this point. Yeah, hopefully not because I don't want to stay up to 3 a.m. in the morning to watch the Texas game. So, well, but, uh, on the con- on the contrary, Bo and I, Bowen and I will probably be at the D Betty Bar in the stadium or somewhere if that does happen. So, hey. <laughs> it's my favorite spot. Just as long as it doesn't knock out power, so you can't get a drink. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, so moving on from that, uh, since 2000. Texas has only lost three games um, to begin the season. Uh, I was at all three. I don't. I was think just about rest- to say that, Andy. You're you're the only one out of all of us. I think that we're at all three, right? Yeah. So yeah. Notre Dame in 2015, rough game, just rough. Uh, Maryland, both years, 17, 18, not great. Um, yeah, Maryland in 2018 had a like hour and a half, two hour um, storm delay, and that. That was the most humid game I've ever been to after that storm. It was so hot. Which one did we watch? Which Maryland game did we watch at um, the aforementioned Storm Creek Ranch? It's Stone Creek Ranch. And um, it was. (laughs) 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 Thank you, sponsors. Um, It was uh, it was um, 2018. Right. That's the maddest I've ever gotten watching a football game on a TV. Yeah, it was like, it was rough. Like full on meltdown. Tom Herman. Gosh. Well, the thing was, it's like we played like crap in that game, and we still should have won. That's a, that's the sad thing about it. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. So yeah, beginning of the year, um, first game could be the first game for a lot of fans this weekend um, ever in their lives, and 
kind of want to ask y'all what was y'all's first game and what was that experience like so mine was in 2004 i went to dcare with my dad i was 10 i think i think that math checks out and we saw vince young play a home game uh we had had those tickets in the family for about 30 years and my dad i love you so much dad uh but he decided to not re-up on tickets for the following season, which they ended up winning the Natty. But I was able to see Vince in Austin, which was super cool. What about you, Bowen? Mine was freshman year, freshman year of college. Um, yeah, I didn't go to one in high school, just watched on TV. So it was pretty fun going to the first game, going to the stadium for the first time. So it's a good memory. Yeah, my, mine was... Um... 2010 it was rice at texas um we won the game i distinctly remember the band making fun of us at halftime because they do that the rice band does that and i just was confused um but it was it was my first texas game and it was a lot of fun that year did not go super well though (laughs) no no it didn't but hopefully hopefully it's a positive experience for for um, everyone at the game and especially for the fans that are going to the game wait wait andy now that i think about it maybe i'm the curse of texas football my first game i went to was right at the beginning of the decline and i've probably been to like (laughs) 40 games since then (laughs) i wish our problems were going to games i wish our problems in this program were as simple as that (laughs) (laughs) oh man um but yeah there's a yeah hopefully hopefully it's a positive experience for the fans this week um uh, looking at it from the Longhorn perspective, um, you know, this is gonna be a first game for um, what it looks like a lot of freshmen, uh a lot of freshmen. Um Calvin Banks and Cole Hudson look like they're gonna start. Funny thing was is that Sark did not release a depth chart, so we don't know. So I don't know. I, I think that's a little weird. Kev, do you think that's weird? I do because it's a break from tradition generally. Uh, for college football, it's normal to do that, um, and it's a break from tradition for Texas. Texas has a large media presence, and in my view, the release of the depth chart is mainly for you know local writers to preview games. It's hard to make the argument that that's you know giving us an advantage against such an inferior opponent, but also major coaches like Lincoln Riley and others are known for doing that. So as long as Sark is using that time to focus on things that matter, I don't really care. Um, maybe it'll make it f- more fun to see who trots out on the offensive line when they start the game, but I, I don't think it's a, a major story. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think it's just a good rule of thumb is uh, to not upset the local media, but you know, <laughs> Sark, Sark did his thing and just got to live with it. Uh, but yeah, you know, Texas should win this, um, this weekend, um, depends by, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see by how much, but should be a sizable win at the very least. Um, what are y'all, what are y'all looking forward from Texas this weekend? What do y'all want Texas to accomplish? I, I just want a nice clean game, no rain, no turf shenanigans, Covering the spread, going into Bama with a healthy, 
healthy squad, good, healthy touchdown to interception ratio. That's all I want. Maybe that's too much, but that's what I'm asking for. <laughs> that, that's asking for a lot. I, I would, I would like minimal to no injuries and just never feel like I'm freaking out at this game. You know, that I, I don't even care if we cover, you know, 38 and a half points is a lot. So if, if we win by 25, I, I just don't want to ever be freaking out. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to go five and seven this year. I don't want that week one. You need yeah. this emotional win. I would say, so three things. I want to see good play on the line of scrimmage. I do not want to see Bijan play the second half. And I want to see Quinn Ewers play his first full college football game. Um, Sark's kind of let on that he doesn't, he's not really planning for meaningful snaps for Hudson. Um, so if Hudson does get meaningful snaps, that means things are not going to plan with Quinn. So that, that's what I'm looking for. Or it means we're blowing him out. Even then, I'd, I'd like Quinn doesn't have that much on field experience. So I think he should finish this one out. What if Quinn injures his like shoulder? Don't, I, 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 don't, don't, don't even say that. If we're up by 35 points in the third quarter or even early fourth quarter, I hope Quinn is not in the game because that means. Yeah, I hope not either. <laughs> I don't care about <laughs> the reps that he gets at that point. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we don't look back and I'm the jinx for the season for saying that. Uh, Kev, looking at the Louisiana Monroe perspective, um, what, what did you research this week for, um, for our opponent? Yeah. So I did a little bit of reading, looking at um, how their last season went. And also listened a couple times actually to an interview that Chip Brown did with the ULM head coach Terry Bowden. Um, and if anyone listening, you know, wants to dig more into game prep, I would encourage them to listen to that inter interview on YouTube. Um, Terry Bowden's kind of a character. He's got a lot of history in, in college football, and he's the son of Bobby Bowden, the legendary Florida State head coach. Um, so it's a good, kind of insightful interview. Um, they are not a very good team. They play in the Sunbelt Conference and we're four and eight last year. Um, so they're not coming off of much recent success. In that interview with Chip Brown, Terry Bowden was pretty open about the fact that they're, you know, excited about the opportunity to come to Austin. But the main reason they're playing this game is uh, budget reasons in, in their program. They're getting like one or $2 million for coming to Austin. So we're, we're paying them to play and, and they know that. Um, and he definitely didn't sound like he had much of an expectation to compete or play and said a few things like, you know, our roster's limited and, and they're more talented. So they're kind of just enjoying, enjoying the trip to Austin this weekend. But um, like I mentioned, Terry, their head coach, is kind of a character. Um, an interesting fact about him is that at the age of 63, in between head coaching gigs, um, he actually went to Clemson and tried to get on the staff in a similar, similar role that Gary Patterson has on our team this year as an assistant. And uh, Davo told him they didn't have any roles for that. So Terry actually enrolled uh, for a master's degree at Clemson so that he could qualify to be a graduate assistant. Um, and in his mid sixties, he got that master's degree and spent some time learning from a younger Davo, which, you know, he has a lot of memories from that that he enjoys. And I thought that was just really unique the way that uh, that career path 
progresses sometimes that he that he actually re-enrolled in school even to get a job um one of the so, best grad transfer Davo ever had <laughs> yeah yeah and like <laughs> how, how awesome would it be to have you know like a, a funny friendly old man sitting in the back in those meetings you know shouting out random advice from his 30 years of experience i think that's pretty cool um but numbers wise they were four and eight last year they're not very good they didn't score more than 20 points in most games last season. They only scored more than 20 and five. Uh, their offensive line gave up 38 sacks last year, which is a monumental number. Our offensive line had a bad year and gave up like 12 less than that. Um, on defense, I looked at some tackling stats and they had some great linebackers last year that totaled a lot more tackles than we did actually. I think both of them graduated and probably left a hole in their roster on the defense, which means dot, 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 Bijan potentially could have a huge game. So it should be fun to watch. I'm not going to bet on the cover, but I think we have a good chance to cover like a 38 plus point spread. So they're just here for fun. The fans are going for fun. Hopefully the Longhorns take it seriously and pull it out. But yeah, look for look for Terry on the sidelines. He's a character. Seems like a good guy. Man. Yeah, that was awesome tidbit, Kev. You know, uh, hopefully he has a good time raking in some money. But other than that, don't wish him any any fun or any success in Austin this weekend. Uh, real quick, you know, got to get this last sponsor in. So um, we're going to take a quick little break. This week's episode of Football on the 40 is brought to you by Stone Creek Ranch, a pleasant return to simpler times. Come to Stone Creek Ranch to enjoy activities ranging from riding Zero Dark Horsey, playing craps and landmines, watching your favorite team lose to Maryland on the indoor big screen, and coating the bar with sticky margaritas. Stone Creek Ranch, where dreams come true. And we're back. Next segment is betting corner. So recap of last week. If you if you all can recall, we only had one bet in play as the rest of us placed future bets but our co-host jake decided to put some money on in isaiah nay or less wyoming to cover the spread in week zero and unfortunately that did not happen so he is currently in last place and the okay, rest of us are a, still tied okay. with zero okay it was illinois it wasn't just an isaiah nay or less wyoming it was my lack of faith in Brett Bielema, but clearly Illinois showed us something just as Vandy did and Northwestern did. Tough, tough, Jake. <laughs> Feels good to still be in first after the win last season. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm in a comfortable spot. <laughs> it's okay. Off to a I, good start. I stand by my previous statement that I'm going to teach y'all something this year. I'm only down one unit. Yeah. You're going to teach us how to lose. He's handicapping himself early so he can come from behind. <laughs> that Hendon Hooker bet's going to win it all. <laughs> I now know who it is. <laughs> yeah, that would, I mean, that's 60 to one. So that would, that might just do it if, uh, if that one pulls through. Um, all right. So as we go into, you know, week one, looking at our game, some of the numbers that for the Texas ULM game, you, Texas is currently favored by 38 and a half points. So that means for our, um, you know, folks that are new to betting, that means if you take Texas to cover the 38 and a half points, then 
you think that Texas will win by at least 39 points. And if you take ULM, that they'll keep it within um, 38 as well. So that's what you're betting on there. Um, that is fairly high as far as games go. So that gives you a little indication of where Vegas thinks the game will go on Saturday. The over-under is also 66 and a half, which is pretty high. Um, it's a little high for us, but you know they also explode. They also expect um, some good offense. FPI, our favorite statistic on the pod, gives Texas a 98.8% chance of winning. So Oof. I think we were higher than that at OU, though, with the OU game last year. Oh, too soon. Too soon. Don't, don't <laughs> remind me. <laughs> yeah, we'll start with um, so the way we'll we'll take the bets this this week is we'll start with the Texas game to see what bets y'all want on Texas, and then we'll go to the rest of the league. I prepared some um potential bets, some notable ones from around from around the league, but we'll we'll also take take other ones too. And as a reminder for folks that didn't catch uh, last week's pod. This year for betting corner, it's going to be real money. We're going to be betting in units, which are percentage of dollars that we've committed to um, this 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 season. And whoever is up the most units at the end of the season will be our season two champion. So, yeah, let's get into the Texas game. What do you guys like on either the spread or the over under? What do we? Andy, we'll start with you. Are you taking anything on the game? Yeah, so I'm not feeling very confident about this bet. That's why I'm only placing one unit on it. But I'm going to take the over, um, which is asking a lot. But I think this game is going to be pretty similar to the Rice game last year. Um, it's not really indicative of what the season will be. But you and I just don't have a lot of faith in them. So I'm going to take Texas with um, – I will take Texas covering, I should – me get my betting lingo <laughs> okay so take one unit on texas covering the 38 and a half yeah cool yeah i'll I, jump in I'll, ju- I'll jump in next because i'm going to take the exact opposite bet of andy um <laughs> so when, when they put the over under at 66 and a half and the line at 38 and a half they're they're essentially saying they're expecting texas to win 52 to 14 um which seems like a lot and with the uncertainty with weather, scoring a lot of points could be difficult. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under 66 and a half for two units. I regrettably agree with Jake. It pains me because uh, I'm trying to beat him, and this bet does not help me do that. But I think <laughs> I think even with a good weather day, it's asking a lot to cover by 39 points. Um, hoping that in the second half, our coaching staff sees that as an opportunity to play some second stringers and third stringers. Um, I do not think we will lose, but we're not going to cover. And because of that train of thought, I'm also going to take the under um, that overall the teams will not score over 66 and a half points. But for two units, units. Was that again, Kev? For two, two units, units okay. Bo. Also, quick thought, really glad we're using units um, so our wives and girlfriends don't know how much we have put on the season. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Very true. <laughs> I like millions. This will be interesting. This is the first week. I mean, we have week zero. We just had a bunch of futures bets out there, but it's the first week we're going to see some divergence in the bet. I'm, I'm in Andy's camp. I'm actually putting five units on us covering the 38 and a half. I'm hoping that we'll make a good statement out there. Um, so I'm putting five units on the cover 
And I also am going to put three units on the under two. I think with the weather and everything should be interesting, but um, I think it'll, I'm taking, I'm taking the under as well. Interesting. Wow. That, that is a big defensive bet right there. Yeah. You're saying we're scoring at least 39 points, but there, but we're not getting over 66. That I like the guts. At some point we got to <laughs> believe what we hear out of, out of fall camp, you know, either like the defense is actually good or like we just got fed some baloney again. So we'll see. <laughs> also, I, I heard that you said, I hope we, uh, we show something or we show that we're good or whatever. Hoping and betting don't usually go together, Bo. It's true. It's true. But I hope. But I hope you're right. <laughs> All right. Any 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 other bets on the game? Um, the player props haven't opened yet, um, so we can revisit those later in the week um, and just recap them on the pod later. But as far as anything else on the game, that's all for me on the Texas game. Cool. All right. So let's move to the rest of the league then. Um, there are a few notable ones that I popped up. So game day is at Ohio State. The, Notre Dame is playing Ohio State. Ohio State is currently favored by 17. Oregon versus George at Georgia. Um, or oh, sorry, Oregon. It's at it's at Oregon. Um, and Georgia is 17 and a half point favorites. Um, UTEP at OU at Norman at OU is OU is 31 and a half point favorites. Since he had Arkansas, Arkansas is six point favorites. Utah is two and a half point favorites at Florida. Um, those were like some of the five that I looked at. Anything strike out with anything look interesting there or anything else around the league? We'll start with, uh, we can start with you, Jake. Yeah, I'll, I, I have three more bets and I'll just do them all right now. Um, you mentioned a couple of the ones I want to take. So I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Utah, I feel really strong about strongly about utah this season i know they're traveling to florida a rare pac-12 at sec um early season game went three units on utah um minus two and a half and uh you also mentioned the ohio state notre dame game another rare game a top five matchup uh rare top five matchup i would like two units on ohio state to cover the 17 and a half at the shoe um Notre Dame has a lot of question marks. Ohio State does not. And I think they're going to win huge in that game. And then my last one is the Thursday night game. Uh, so when you all listen to this, this game may have already happened or it may be about to happen. But I would like to take two units on West Virginia plus seven and a half against Pittsburgh in the backyard brawl. We talked about it a little bit last week, but this is the first time this huge rivalry has been played in a long time. And I think West Virginia is more fired up about it from what I'm hearing. Like yeah. Like yeah. It. Those are, I can't, can't really complain. I think those are actually pretty good bets. Um, I'm going to be with you right with, uh, with, I'm going to be with Utah. Um, I think they're, they're going to cover the two and a half cam rising this year. I think he could be a dark horse for the Heisman. Uh, might be a little bit of a stretch there, but I think he's going to have a really good year and Florida is still going to be figuring out things. And I just, if Florida wins, it's because of the swamp, not because of their team, in my opinion. That's what I was thinking too. I've I've actually been to Gainesville and seen the Florida Stadium. It's like a basketball stadium. Just seeing it empty, it's it was it it looked loud. So, I think Utah does have some smoke to him. I'm questioning your dark horse comment about Cam Rising, but um, I, you played well gonna, in the Rose Bowl. 
Yeah. I, I, I actually wanted to do that bet last week too, but Pac-12 players don't win the Heisman. Nobody watches them. Yeah. No, that's true. Uh, Bo is for three units for Utah to cover, by the way. All right. I've got um, some games that I don't think have been picked yet. I could be wrong about that, but that's the in-depth research that I do to beat Jake. Um, Houston is playing UTSA in San Antonio. Houston's favored by four. Uh, I'm going to take Houston in that one to cover for two units. Uh, Miami of Ohio is traveling to Kentucky. Kentucky's favored by 16. And I'm going to take Kentucky there for two units. And the last game I'm going to place a bet on tonight. Uh, NC State is playing at East Carolina. And historically, East Carolina has a pretty prolific offense. They had kind of a upward trending but difficult season last year. So I'm going to pick East Carolina to cover that uh, plus 11.5 spread in that game for two units as well. Heaven's going off the beaten path this week. Research, baby. Research. I like like it. it. (laughs) I like to see the uh, seriousness of it. Yeah, there you go. Do you have any bets? Um, Oh, the last one I was going to make was, I guess, kind of like a a narrative bet. You know, we've talked all this game about OU being overrated. I might as well put some money on it. So I'm putting two units on UTEP covering 31 and a half. (laughs) There you go. Might as well. Might as well. I sure hope so, but I don't like that. So this is this is a very uh, emotional, emotionally driven um, set of bets this week. (laughs) It's early in the season, you know. It's early. Oh man! I hope you win that bet. I hope you win that bet. So, so I have one more bet, but first I gotta say this: I'm a little insulted that neither Jake nor Kev, nor Bowen are worried about my bets this year. You know? It's come up and surprise y'all, like ham rising. That's <laughs> not... That's a bad pick, no. Uh, <laughs> I, ju- I just think I just think that it's I'm always going to be public enemy number one, because I'm a loud mouth. No, that's for sure. <laughs> not concerned. It's really... I, it's, it's really who's going to finish first through third this season, Andrew? Honestly, Andrew... I want to win. I want to win our side bet more than anything. So, <laughs> I, I feel pretty confident about the side bet. So we'll see. We'll see how it happens. But I don't think y'all are going to make positive returns. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, so I don't know. If, uh, I don't know if y'all watched the North Carolina game last week. They played Florida A and M. Um, the funny thing was is that Florida A and M had suspended like. Or, no, I think it was like 23 players were ineligible to play, and they only had seven offensive linemen. So, like, barely – they were, like, barely able to field a team um, for that game. And North Carolina still gave up 24 points, uh, but they scored a lot of points too. And so they play – who do they play this week again? I think they play Appalachian State, if I am correct. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they play Appalachian State. Great team. I think it actually should be a pretty good game. Um, and, yeah, I think North Carolina is going to score a ton of points. I think App State's going to score a ton of points. So I'm going to play six units on the oh. over of that game. Wow. Andy wants Andy wants to jump out to the early lead. 
I do because don't, they're gonna don't put your hopes on Mac Brown, Andy. Yeah, that's a... oh, I'm not I'm not placing hopes on him to win. I just think they're gonna score a ton of points. Yeah. I don't hate that nice. bet. Whew, lots of bets out there. This will be an interesting week. Lots of things to look out for. So we'll be we'll be cool to see. All right. Well, I'll get these bets in, fellas. Um, and yeah, we will see where we end up on week one. All righty. Well, I'll also lead us into the next segment, which is also the last segment. And as always, it's our listener mailbag. A quick plug for our mailbag. You can see it. You can click on the link in our Insta bio to submit a mailbag question, any feedback, anything you want us to read out on the pod. Love, love to get y'all's questions. Today, we have two mailbag questions. The first submitted by none other than Mary Page Harris. She asks, can you really call it Jake's hot dog party if there are not any hot dogs? Pretty, pretty deep question. Jake, we'll go to you for a first yeah, reaction. I, I feel like I have to jump in and explain from the start because my name's involved in this. So Jake's hot dog party <laughs> is a Texas tailgate that started. This is year four. We talked about it a little bit last week. Um, this was actually the brainchild of a Vegas penthouse weekend. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we came up with this idea um, after no I, drinks, sober-minded, <laughs> maybe. And we can't, or I, I don't know whose idea it was to call it Jake's hot dog party. Probably, I have, I honestly no idea. But I host a tailgate at my house. Um, if you want to come, DM us. I'll give you the details. And we do it for the big home game every year. And, um, but because, and we have hot dogs, right. And a keg and it's a fun time. However, we hate Fox sports and Fox sports decided to put the game or Fox for that matter. It's on big Fox decided to put the game at 11 AM. So our tailgate this year starts at 7 30 AM and we will be having breakfast tacos because nobody wants to eat a hot dog we can, at 7 a.m. I mean, we can boil some pork missiles for Mary Page if she really, <laughs> if she really wants the tradition to last. <laughs> you know, I can't say that hot dogs are her favorite thing in the world, so I think she'll pass. So multiple, multiple other people have also said I, there better be hot dogs there. So I don't know. Make like little Maybe. pigs in a blanket. It'll be cute. Maybe the, we'll have some. The correct answer is. Jake's hot dog party isn't a gimmick. It is a brand. That's right. And, you know, it's, what could you compare it to? Maybe we could post this, post this on our socials, but it's a, it's a brand, not a concept. Like we, we right. live the brand. Jake's hot dog party means what, what we live it out to be. So this year we're going to float the keg before 10, 10 a.m. And nobody's <laughs> going to care about hot dogs. That's a bold wow. claim considering... I'm putting two you. units on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yikes. Uh, seriously? Because we'll let you make that bet if you want. <laughs> no, because then I'll be responsible for it. <laughs> oh, man. Last year, right. we didn't even come close. But the first two years, we did float the keg. Nice. All right. And the second question submitted by Kevin McBrayer. Kevin, thanks again for your for your second question. Great question. This one is... My go-to game day tradition at DKR is always getting an Earl Campbell sausage wrap during the third quarter. What are y'all's favorite DKR food items or game day traditions in general? 
Um, Andy, we will start with you. So I don't know if I have a go-to. I usually don't eat at football games in general, but as a little kid, this is actually kind of funny. As a little kid, I always had a tradition to go to the Taco Bell on our level. And I would always get like a beanie cheese taco and uh, like meat and cheese taco. You know, surprisingly pretty good. Not gonna, not gonna lie. So I did that for about like eight years. And I did that for every halftime of, of a Texas home game. So yeah, I guess that's my tradition. It's, it's a tough thing to answer for me because there's been new traditions throughout my experience going to DKR as I've sat in different positions in the stadium, you know, there's different concessions. A constant is Coors Light. The last couple of years we mentioned it, but the Deep Eddy Bar in the southeast corner of the stadium is awesome in the new south end zone. But I think overall my favorite thing about games or game day traditions is kind of connecting oddly with that other guy that's, you know, 10 or 15 feet away that's also negative and paying attention and, you know, side-eyeing each other when we both see something that nobody else did, um, getting angry in ways that other people may not. So connecting over those, you know, the weird fan interactions in the stands, I enjoy that a lot. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, a lot of times in the past, this is a newer, relatively newer tradition since college, but We've gone to Gloria's a lot before games, and that's been a fun game day kind of experience, um, night before experience sometimes. But at the at the actual game, it, it kind of varies. Uh, usually by the third quarter, I'm hungry, so I'm gonna get a Chick-fil-A sandwich. That's that's kind of that's kind of what how it goes. But Coors Light, I affirm the Deep Eddy Bar is a really cool place. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you know, I was I was reflecting on this question. I think I'm like in Andy's camp. I I don't know that I've ever bought anything except water at DKR. I'm pretty confident in that. I'm pretty, you know, frugal and I was I'm always like already wow. donating a killing on UT Athletics. So, I don't think I've ever bought any food there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have I have a very random fact about <laughs> UT concessions that I don't know if there's ever going to be an appropriate moment for the rest of my life to bring this up. But uh, while we were in school, I think they started selling alcohol in the stadium. And after the season, they posted an article in the Austin American Statesman that was a summary of what was sold, who bought how many, how many Coors Lights were sold, how many Bud Lights were sold. And I found it very interesting in that article at the end of the season after seven, six or seven home games, there was less than a hundred Budweiser's sold in the whole stadium for the whole year. So wow. Bowen, maybe help them out with their Bud Heavies in the stadium this season. Wow, I'll take a look. <laughs> I'll take a look. Mess up their mess up their metrics a little bit. Wow. <laughs> that that I I'm still kind of blown away by that, Bo. I I like work. I work home games into my budget because I intend to spend about $50 at the stadium. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's like, that's like two beers. <laughs> yeah, it's like two beers, a Chick-fil-A sandwich, and, you know, maybe a third beer. And that's about yeah, it. Going, going to what you were saying, I can't imagine drinking a Bud Heavy at a, like, 100-degree Texas oh, football game. That sounds miserable. As my Kansas born and bred 
friend named Austin once said, a Bud Heavy is just a liquid turkey sandwich. Not good in hot weather. (laughs) That's a quote. That's a quote. Well, thank you, Kevin and Mary Page, for those mailbag questions this week. As always, if you would like to um, submit a question or a comment for us to consider in mailbag, you can do that. You can find that link at the um, link in our bio on our Instagram page at football on the 40. That also brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Um, thank you all for, for tuning in. We're hoping that this week is a huge win. We will be back every Thursday for the rest of the fall. Next week, you're not going to want to miss our episode. It's a It's going to be a special episode on the upcoming Alabama game. So please come back to us next Thursday. I have to thank our producer, Hamilton Lizer, for putting this all together and making us sound better than we do. Um, That's all I got, though. So thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next Football on the 40. Hook them.